So good morning. Um, not to switch the key, but we're going to switch the key a little bit there, you know. Um, if you've not been uh, in services where you just wait and wait to see what God's going to do, it's kind of fun. It's a little scary when you got the microphone in your hand and everybody's looking at you saying, what's going on? Because uh, the Lord's going to do what He's going to do, okay? So today, um, I, I am honored to be here. I do serve the house, uh, if, if you're not if you're here for the first time, I served the house as an elder, um, and we have a fantastic pastor who was working like crazy all week long, and when he asked me if I would share with you, I was, I was more than happy to do so. Before I get into the message, I want you to put a date on your calendar, October 15. Everybody, just get your phone out, wherever you make notes, October 15. October 15 is, I'm declaring Gratitude Day for the gift that God has given us. Gratitude day for the gift. Okay? How many of you know what the gift is? That man and woman right there. Okay? Do you understand? Yep. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to challenge those of you who call this place your spiritual home to do two things before that day. Okay? I want you to pray about both of these things. One is... I want you to write an old-fashioned, with a pen, on a piece of paper, a note or letter of gratitude for Pastor Alan and Kathy. How many of you will commit to do that? Okay. Um, I can tell you this from my experiences in leadership over the years. When I left Dean Russ Middle School, um, 700, well, actually it was 823 children all wrote a note to me. Now, you can imagine what some of those notes are like, but they wrote a note to me, and I have them in a jar. And on my days when, you know, things aren't necessarily going right, I pick out some of those notes, and it's like, that's, that, it's just like honey, honey all over you because they would be in syrupy sweet. And middle schoolers can be really, really nice. I know they get a bad rap, but they can be awesome especially when a teacher prompts them, write something nice, not like that. Um, so on October 15th, we're just going to collect those. In the, in, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like. We're not going to make them stand up here and everybody bring it. And I, I don't know. We might, that might be fun. So a note, a letter, something written from your heart. Now listen, here's the way I want you to think about this. God, you gave us, and those of you who have been with us, uh, for three years or so, Lord, you gave us a gift, right? And you rescued us from ourselves and, and all sorts of stuff. You gave us a gift, and I want to express my gratitude to you, Lord, for them and the giftings. And then you just start from your heart writing out the things, okay, that God has done through them. Second thing is, I want you to prepare an offering. This is not tithes. This is not um, a normal thing that you would do. This is an offering for them. Now, you say, well, why, why would you do that? Because you're going to see today in the story that I share with you, gratitude requires action, okay? Uh, there's a common phrase now, uh, oh, have an attitude of gratitude. Can I tell you that an attitude is not enough? 
gratitude must be expressed, and it's a it's a, a good way for us to bless them and to honor them. Okay, so two things: October fifteen, we're going to take up those letters and cards, and we're going to take up a a free will gift from your heart. Now, last thing I'm going to say: some of you, I, I was. I, I have really prayed about this. Some of you have been waiting on some things for for a while from God, and you've been praying about them. You've been faithful in prayer, and there seems to be something <clears throat> stopping those things from really coming through. I want to challenge you in this in this offering that's going to be taken to be extravagant. And in your extravagance, it's going to break off something that is hindering those prayers, and you're going to see God's hand move in your life in a way you never have. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Listen, um, you can tip God. You absolutely can. And He will tip you back right on the ear. Or you can be obedient to what God is saying. Now, look, the reason I use the word extravagant is because extravagant for you might be different than it is for me. I want you to listen to God and say, God, what, what is my part? What, what can I do to express my gratitude to them? And then you obey that, okay? All right. So today, um, guys, I'm going to do it a little different. I'm just going to teach it as I go along, okay? So just do your best to keep up with me. <laughs> um, so Luke chapter 17 is a great... Uh, chapter in um, in the Word because Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom in there. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the chapter is the very first part where Jesus says, "Let me tell you that it's impossible that offenses won't come." Hallelujah! Doesn't that just make you feel good? You're going to be offended, and He tells you how to deal with offenses. Okay. And then there is this story that we're going to focus on today that sort of plops right down in the middle of the chapter and is a little curious, all right? So we're going to start in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, he's not in Jerusalem, he's on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. How many of you know that Jesus did not travel alone? So as he traveled, there was this group of guys that were with him. Some people call them apostles. Sometimes he called them knuckleheads. But, but there's this group of guys that travel with him, and they are between Samaria and Galilee. These are two regions in, in the area, okay? That becomes important later. As he was going into a village. So where is he? He's in between places. He's not really any place at all. He's going from Canton to Marietta. And Woodstock don't really count. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he's... he's He's going from someplace to someplace, but he's not there yet. You follow me? It's very important that you understand he's in an in-between place. He's in a place that does not really even have a name. He's headed to a village on his way 
to Jerusalem. He's in no man's land. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Dudes are out in the middle of nowhere. Now, why are these guys out in the middle of nowhere? Ten of them all together. Well, the reason that they're out in the middle of nowhere can be found in Leviticus chapter 13. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. It's one of my favorite little things. I just love y'all with all y'all's ripped jeans. Y'all got some leprosy going on. No, I'm I'm speaking that on anybody. Torn clothes, I'm going to get there. Torn clothes, let his hair be unkept. Sounds like a middle schooler. Cover the lower part of his face and cry out, okay? All torn clothes, unkept hair, and covering his face were all indications of a funeral, okay? That's what they that it was an indication of funeral attire. These guys are all in that condition, and they must cry out two words. Unclean! Unclean! And the reason they cry out like that is because in this culture and in this uh, time in history, there was no cure for these diseases that they had. They were uncurably ill. They were dead men walking. And it was their responsibility to say, stay away from me. I'm unclean. If you come near me, you're going to catch what I got. What an existence. You ever met somebody like that? I have. Well, they don't intend to. But they're broken and hurt and torn up inside, and they, their own defense mechanisms push people away constantly. Stay away from me. Don't get close to me. Stay away. I'm unhealed. I'm unclean. I don't know if there's any hope for me. Just stay away. There'll be hope for you. Unclean. In addition to that, these poor ten men were victims of a societal mentality that said, if you had leprosy, you must have done something wrong. Not only are you sick, but your sickness is because you sinned. Oh, we would never do that to somebody. Oh, well, you're where you belong because, you know, you did that over there. Well, no, no. So not only are they physically removed, but the law says in Leviticus 13, 46, as long as he has infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone, must live outside the camp. They're in Nowheresville because they were just part of a culture that said, Unless your skin is clean, unless you're without disease, you got to be by yourself. K. 
Can I tell you something? In the United States of America, we have that culture. If you're not perfect, listen, I, I dealt with kids all, all my life. If you don't have the right hair, am I telling the truth? If you don't have the right clothes, if your rip in your jeans is in the wrong place, oh, no. If you don't have the right uh, upbringing, if you don't, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I had kids who told me, Dr. T, if you don't live in that neighborhood, you don't really count. I'm telling you the truth. The pressure in American society to fit in is unbelievable, and everybody wants to be different, but they want to be the same. Oh, got to fit in, but I'm going to be a little different. Well, I got, well I'm, I'm, I'm doing this tightrope dance because I don't really know exactly who made the rules about the rips in the jeans, but I know in a matter of months the rules are going to change and somebody's going to shift them and I'm going to be drifting in the wind again. Oh, no, as adults, we don't deal with that, do we? Said no one ever. Adults, you, you're just as guilty. Well, I, if I had this kind of car, or if I had this kind of retirement account, or if I, if I could do this, or if I could live here, or if I could just have that house over there, or if I could, I, I would fit in. I got news for you. The people that are making those rules have leprosy. And they just want everybody to live like they live. They want everybody to fit in with them. Watch these guys. They're supposed to live alone. Are they living alone? Nope. What are they doing? Well, I'm kind of miserable. But if you'll come be miserable with me, we can be miserable together. You know, you got the same kind of stuff going on in your life that I do. You're no better than me, so come on and let's live together. They're breaking the law. The law said you got to live alone. They said, well, we're going to live together. We're going to create our own little colony of liberty. And I saw it all my career with kids, birds of a feather. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Birds of a feather flock together. They all come together because they don't want to be alone. Oh, adults, you, you don't do that kind of thing, do you? Said no adult anywhere, everywhere. We do the same thing. We're guilty of it. I just don't want to be alone. They stood at a distance. Now, they got contagious diseases. Uh, they can give it to each other, but, <laughs> dude, you're sick, I'm sick. What does it matter? They stood at a distance. And I'm sorry, my imagination kind of goes crazy with me. I think there was one of them who sort of says, guys, I don't know, I, I've never seen him, but I heard the other day I was, I was getting a little close to town or I was on the pathway and somebody was walking by and they were talking about this guy who could give sight to blind people. And, and I, I heard the guy say, man, you wouldn't believe it. He, he took this lame man and he said, walk. And the guy walked. 
And then I heard the most outrageous thing. He looked at a dead man who was stinking and said, come forth, and he lives. And he said, guys, what if that guy came by here? What would happen? The other people said, you idiot. There ain't no such thing as that. What are you talking about? You're a crazy fool. You, you, your disease has gone to your mind and made you loco. No, man, I, really, I heard it. And off in the distance, this, this group of 11 men are walking. And they're walking sort of toward them. And this guy says, you know, the other thing I heard is he's got this group of guys that are around him. And there's, there's about a dozen of them. And they just walk and talk with him. And, 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 and they can do things, too. And guys, look over there. Do you think? And they're like, oh, man, come on, man. You've been sick so long. You know you're dying. You just reach out for any hope at all. You ever met somebody like that? Better to be like that than to give up on life. I don't care where you are today. If you don't give up, there's hope for you. So I think that this one guy said, look, I think that's the guy. He's coming this way. And he says, Jesus, I heard about you. Have mercy on me. And the other nine go, what is wrong with him? And one of them says, I don't know, man, but, you know, he's a little touched. Let's just get on with him and, and go along with him. And so two or three of them say, Jesus. And Jesus turns. And then all ten of them are going, hey, over here, over here, right here, right here, right here, right here. I'm right here. Jesus, have mercy and pity on us. You know, it takes one courageous person to get things moving. But I don't care if I'm that courageous person or if I'm one of the last ones. As long as I get with the program, it works out well. They broke the law. What were they supposed to say? Yeah, don't come over here. See, the law always leads to death. Always. Always going to lead you to death. The Spirit brings life, and they're, they're calling life to them instead of keeping it away. They're dead men walking, but at least they're walking. They may not be what they're going to be, but they're fixing to change and not be what they once were. Listen to me. You may not be what you're going to be. But you're not what you once were. And you can look at that and say, Lord, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Next slide. I love this. When Jesus saw them. Now, we in the religious circles, we got our agenda about how God heals. 
Well, you got to have oil. And you got to have the elders of the church lay hands on you. And you got to feel goosebumps up and down your spine. And then you'll be healed. Look what happens here. When he saw them, because they cried out to him, not because they were all perfect, not because they had everything together, not because even their skin was clean, they were still infectious. When he saw them in their condition, he says, Go show yourselves to the priest. Who? Huh? Really? Not in the name of Jesus. Oh, wait a minute, that's me. Be healed. Or whatever other incantations we want to incur, he just says, Hey, go show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. Jesus was going back to the law. That was what was required in the law to be proclaimed clean is the priest would look at your sores or look at the lack thereof and declare you clean. And then you were no longer infectious and you could live life as you once did. I just love it that Jesus says, you got to do something here, and you'll be clean. Well, man, I thought he would at least break out some oil. Man, all he did was go tell us to go to the priest. Well, you know, I mean, he is the guy who raised the dead, and he is the guy who healed the lame man. Maybe we should listen to it. Well, I don't Can you hear the ten of them? Really? That's all I got to do? I've been living this way for 14 years. Leprosy is taking this hand and this leg, and I, I've got this disease. I'm, I'm a mess. And you're telling me all I got to do is show myself to the priest? Mm-hmm. But they go. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, as they took the steps toward the direction Jesus told them to go to, they were cleansed. Now, what does that mean? Well, something physically had to happen for them to notice. And, and maybe it went like this. Dude, you know that big old scab you had on your head? That thing is gone. And, and the guy reaches up to feel it. And, and then another one says, you know, you used to have a big old space on your leg. But is that thing? And he looks down. And then they start going, let's walk a little faster. We need to get to the priest because something is happening here. Something that we can't explain is it's happening here. And so let's walk a little faster because the, the closer I walk to the direction that Jesus gave me, the more healed I get and the more healed I get, the more excited I get about what's happening in my life. And then one of them 
Let, let me hit pause here. So this word cleansed is the word that we get catharsis from. You familiar with that word catharsis? It's a, it's a lot of uh, uh, New Age people use it as, oh, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to empty my mind. I'm going to get clean inside. Well, catharsis is, a, is the word cleansed. It's to be free of disease, to be free of that issue, okay? So as they're going, they have catharsis. Then one of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed. Now, I, I want to, I don't know if I really caught this in first service. I, I really want you to see this. One of them is in this merry band of lepers, former lepers. They're getting healed as they walk. And one of them says, why am I going to the priest when the guy who did this is back there? Why am I following the law, which, wait a minute, he said, go show yourself to the priest. I'm a Samaritan. I can't even go where the priest is. You see, a Samaritan was a half-breed. He was not allowed in the temple. And this guy is in a dilemma because he's got nowhere to go. How many of you ever been there? I got nowhere to go. I got nobody who cares anything about me. I don't belong anywhere. I don't fit anywhere. And suddenly he says, there's one guy who believes that I belong. There's one guy who looked at me and said, I don't care what your condition is. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been through. I'll accept you. I'll cleanse you. I'll make you free. He turns around and he says, I know. Now listen to the risk he's taking. The whole time he's walking toward the direction that Jesus told him to go, he's getting more and more and more cleansed. But suddenly something inside him says, there's more than just not being sick available to me. There is a wellness that's going to come to me if I turn around and I just go tell him what I think about what just happened. Not trying to offend anybody. If I do, love me, get over it. But some of you came to the cross of Christ many years ago. And your disease was healed. And you've been walking in the law doing the best you can just to make things right. You're doing what the Bible says do. And the Lord today is saying, won't you turn around? Won't you turn around and come Listen to me. Let me show you what happens. Because, see, this man is so grateful, and he's got no place to go. He's so grateful, he turns around to Jesus. And he says, he, the, the word says, he came back praising God. Wait a minute. This is a physical man. This, this is Jesus, but he's in bodily form. The Word says he came back praising God. Why did he do that? Because he knows he was a dead man walking. And there was nothing anybody could do 
that could help him. But he comes back praising God in a loud voice. Nobody's going to mistake. He ain't doing this number, right? This is what we do. Doing my charismatic Holy Ghost dance right here in front of you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hmm. I felt that, Lord. Hmm. That feels so good. Do it again. He's out there going, Lord God, thank you. I am well. I am clean. I'm no longer a dead man walking. I'm alive. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was the man without a country. He was the outcast of the outcast. He didn't fit in anywhere except at the feet of Jesus, where he was the only one. Now, watch what Jesus says, and I want to point this out. Jesus asks, wait a minute, pause. He's looking around, and he says, go to the next slide. Were there not, were not all ten cleansed? In other words, you know, there were ten guys here that I said, go, and they went, and they... Jesus knew they'd been cleansed because, see, he, when he spoke, he created reality. He didn't. He didn't. He 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 just created it right then. He knew what was supposed to happen. They're walking and they're getting clean, but Jesus saw that before he even spoke the word because he. We know that because he said, "I don't do anything that I don't hear the Father tell me to do." Can you imagine walking like that? What'd you say, Lord? Okay, boom. Where are the other nine? Where are they? Well, they're following your command, Lord, and they're walking uh, toward the priest, and they're going to get declared cleansed, and then they're going to walk their merry way, and they've been cleansed. Has no one returned to give God praise except this foreigner, this person who doesn't, he doesn't really know the law. See, he's a Samaritan. He doesn't know how to behave in church. He doesn't know churchified ways. He's just grateful that God touched him through Jesus Christ. And he doesn't really understand that you're supposed to sit there and, and be quiet. He's just happy that he's clean. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. See, if we read it too quickly, we think your faith has healed you. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, if you look at the original languages, I told you before, the word catharsis, was they were cleansed on their way. Different word here. 
Your faith has made you alive. It has made, how many of you know the difference between, I don't have a disease and I'm living well. I'm no longer affected by my past. I'm living in my future. I'm no longer hindered by what people used to think about me. I'm living well by what God thinks about me. I no longer rehearse in my mind the things that have happened to me, and I'm no longer a victim of my circumstances. I'm an overcomer of the things that Jesus Christ has put under my feet, and I no longer have to walk with my head down. I walk with my head held high, knowing that Jesus Christ is my deliverer and my Savior and my friend. Listen, you can walk cleansed or you can walk well. The difference in this story is gratitude. Because the man's gratitude for what Jesus had done for him got Jesus' attention, and Jesus makes a second declaration on his life. And I'm telling you, when Jesus talked, it wasn't for information only. It was to create something. And at this moment, that man walked away different than the other nine. That man had something that the other nine never did. He had a wellness that was beyond their healing. He had a wholeness that was beyond just making it day to day. The power of gratitude in our lives opens heaven on earth. Dr. T, what does that look like? Scripture tells us in everything, in everything, some of you know where I'm going, give thanks for this is the will of God. Well, Dr. T, you don't know where I'm at. I didn't say for everything, give thanks. I didn't say that. I said in Paul writes, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why? Why is that so important? It opens the windows of heaven. Oh, I don't understand the technology of it. I really don't. Some time ago, it's probably been a year ago now, my, my prayer life had become dry, to be quite honest with you. It was perfunctory. You know what I'm talking about, Doug, where you just sort of go through a list of things. And, and it, it really, I was bored with it. I'm sure God was. Uh, and and I, I, I feel like sometimes he said, really, you're going to bring me this same list again. And, and I was really dissatisfied with it. I know you guys don't ever experience anything like this, but for me, it was real. And I was, I was hungry for a new level. And God challenged me and said, 
rather than just praying for Lori, I want you to tell me what you're thankful for about her. Wait, what, God? This is my wife. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at me saying, why is he laying hands on that strange woman over there? So my prayer began to change, men, and it sounds now something like this. Father, thank you for the giftings and callings that you've placed on this precious gift that you've given me. I pray that you would anoint her today. I pray that you would bless her and minister to her. I pray that you would reward her for the things that she does in her obedience to you. I pray that she would experience your presence in her life in a fresh and a new way today. Thank you for everything that you've placed in front of her for her to walk in today. I pray that you would just pour out your blessing on her today. In Jesus' name. And then... Now, I used to pray for pastor. I do, every day. But my prayers were kind of like, Lord, Lord, help that guy. Lord, Jesus, help him. Now that prayer has become, Father, thank you for the giftings and the anointings on his life. Thank you that you gave him to us. Thank you that you uh, are, are, are blessing him and teaching him to lead and anointing his leadership so that he grows in the direction that you want him to grow in. Thank you for everything that you called him to do at New Life. Thank you for the blessing that he is to us. Thank you for making him an anointed preacher. Thank you for making him an anointed teacher. Thank you for the blessing of him in my life. Do you know what used to take about 10 minutes to do now takes me 40, 50, sometimes an hour. By the time I get through praying about the things that I want to pray about, and the Lord and the Holy Spirit talk to me about what I need to be grateful for, sometimes I'm late to work, can I be honest with you? I'm getting better at that. I just got to get up earlier. Why are you telling us this, Dr. T? Because it's changed me. It's changed my heart. have people ask me all the time, I'm, I'm in human resources now for the largest employer in Cherokee County. Ask me for a job. And I, trust me, I don't mind, you know, I'll help anybody I can, but you know who I really enjoy helping? The ones who send me a note afterwards and say, thank you so much. I, I love my job. I'm so grateful for you for listening to me and interviewing me and helping me. What this discipline has done in my life, in those times when I'm tempted to complain about <clears throat> something that she did or said, I've been praying for her seven days, and she says one thing or does one thing, whose responsibility is that? I didn't pray very well. I'm going to go back to prayer. I pray for this man every day. And he does something, and I'm like, what in the world was he thinking? Well, Lord, I know what I got to do. I got to pray more. You see the difference? You see the difference? I want you to understand the power 
of being grateful and thankful to the Lord in all things because I've experienced it. Father, I thank you for your blessing on our lives. I thank you for your spirit that leads us and guides us every step of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we can be grateful and thankful in every situation and that our gratitude will get your attention. Lord, I thank you that there's a tremendous difference in just having accepted you as our Savior and the next measure of making you our Lord. And I pray today that you would strengthen our resolve to be grateful for all the things that you are doing in our lives and that in every situation we find ourselves, you would teach us the power of gratitude. 